Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care, episode number 160. I'm Wolfgang Rashon. As some of you know, I'm currently working on my PhD in Child and Youth Care. I'm doing an arts-based inquiry with CYC practitioners who have lived in residential care as children and youth and are now working with young people and families. I've been long been interested in what those who have been through our services can teach us about our services. And I'm particularly interested when those who have been are also those working within. All of my guests today have tremendous experience living in the world that we work in, and some of them also currently work or are moving into working in that world. Before I introduce each of them, I would like to say that if you, our dear listener, are a CYC practitioner who has lived in residential care or had child welfare experience, I would be very interested in speaking with you as part of my inquiry. I'm looking for people across Canada, so please reach out to me and email me at wolfgangvachon at uvic.ca. That's uvic.ca. So back to our podcast. Today I'm speaking with four people involved in the Surrey British Columbia Youth Advisory Committee, Johanna, Cody, China, and Edward. Welcome all of you and thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having us on, Wolfgang. Pleasure. So maybe I could ask each of you to introduce yourselves um, to begin our conversation. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, start with myself. So my name is Cody. Um, I grew up in uh, the land that is now called Surrey, British Columbia. Um, I finished my care experience here, uh, and then I went on to do a bachelor in child and youth care, uh, and I'm currently working in the field. Um, to kind of start um, and enter ourselves in the conversation, though, I really wanted to acknowledge the land that we're on. Uh, we are currently in um, the place now called Newton. Uh, we sit on the Katsi, Sawasin, Stolo, Wasanic, and Kwantlen First Nations. Uh, and I think that throughout my experience, both in care and uh, then again in uh, the education system field, uh, it can become really um, kind of mundane and tradition um, to acknowledge it as like the place that we live and work. But I think that it goes so much deeper um, that we really need to have a connection to the land that we're sitting on and working on uh, and connect with the people, um, the families that have generations that have lived here. Um, so the Kwantlen Nations and the KC Nations um, that uh, the Surrey Care community is really connected to. Uh, and so I want to raise my hand in gratitude to those folks. Thank you very much for that, Cody. Yes, um, I agree. Absolutely. China, do you want to introduce yourself over there? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm China Dedeus, and I joined Yak in about late 2017, and I was in care for 14 years. Thanks, China. Okay, next. Uh, my name is Johanna Martinez. Um, I'm El Salvadorian and Guatemalan. I've been in care, um, I'd like to say, for about maybe four years. Um, been out of care for two years now. Um, I'm currently going back to school in the fall uh, to Douglas to be uh, studying child and youth care. I'm currently working as a security guard in one of the malls here in B in Van uh, sorry in Vancouver. Um, and yeah, it's currently what I'm doing right now. Thanks. Congratulations on getting into school. Uh, thank you. 
Uh, hi, I'm Edward McCabe. I'm 17. Uh, I've spent the last year in care on a youth agreement. Um, I am currently enrolled uh, at Delta Secondary in Delta, British Columbia. I'm going to be graduating next week, and then I'll be enrolling in Douglas College for the fall, uh, starting my criminology diploma. Wow. Graduating next week. Congratulations. That's so awesome, Edward. Yay. Thank you. It's uh, amazing. High school. Mm. <laughs> Um, so maybe we could start by um, talking a little bit about what what the what is the Surrey Youth Advisory Committee or, or YAC as you are referring to it. Definitely, yeah. I think that um, just prior to that, maybe for some context, um, knowing that care looks super different in all the different provinces, um, and just maybe for like some people listening and just to kind of ground ourselves, China could maybe introduce like what care would look like in BC and how we've experienced it. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, care looks like in BC. Uh, we have a lot of First Nations kids in care, um, including, you know, me for a certain uh, amount of time. I don't know the exact statistics. It's different for each person. It's it's very 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 diverse. I know that some people, even post care, have a lot of support and they've been raised, um, and go through. One home and other cares looks. Other kids uh, can go through many, many homes throughout their whole life, and we have the CCOs and the TCOs. It's it's very, very different for everybody. For those of us who are not familiar with that language, what are CCOs and TCOs? So a CCO is when you are on a continuing care order, and that looks like having this the same plan in whole in place for your whole life and a TCO is a temporary care order when it's like okay your parents are getting their stuff back together they can have you back if we agree on this certain amount of time that you're in care right thank you yeah it's amazing when we look at care across the across the country and across the different child welfare agencies you know in Toronto for example we have uh, Metro Children's Aid, we have Catholic Children's Aid, we have Jewish Child and Family Services, and we have um, Native Child and Family Services, and each of those have separate ways of working and, and um, separate ways of, of engaging and, and continuing care over time. So thank you for that context. Absolutely. We've definitely moved away from the residential model. Um, where it uh, used to kind of be prevalent in the past, and especially I, uh, I'm seeing, at least in my practice, a lot more uh, of a move away from the continuing custody or and the, the kind of strict, um, you know, go through the court system um, type of orders and much more to the agreement, which is a, a non-guardianship agreement. In a young person um, who is unable to return home and the social worker for financial support um, but the, the guardianship actually stays with the parents uh, in that context and does not go to the, the social worker. Mm -hmm. Yet yeah, it's, it's intriguing to me, you know, if, when we think about care over time and in Canada, certainly sort of more residential, less residential, the, the pendulum and then worldwide as well, what that, what that looks like. And certainly um, I think BC, well, there, there certainly is still some residential care. It's a province that is um, um, 
much less uh, focus on residential care than many other provinces across across the country. Absolutely. So what does what does the Surrey um, Yak do? Um, before we get to that question, I just want to talk about what is Surrey. Uh, talk a little bit about the city. Um, so Surrey is a suburb of Vancouver with multiple individual communities with the largest youth and urban indigenous population in BC. Um, the city also has um, <clears throat> the largest amount of young people who age out of care every year. It's also known as the inner city with many um, impoverished communities living in Surrey. Uh, because of development, this is causing dramatic changes to the community and affordability uh, for young people. Mm. That's and so back context, in, yeah. Back in 2016, um, the Youth Advisory Council uh, was given some money from a project that the Vancouver Foundation, which was a philanthropic group, um, hosted um, to put uh, investigation and implementation of new services for young people aging out and or, um, sorry, transitioning out of care in Surrey. Uh, so the YAC was formed in 2017 uh, after uh, they call it the adult committee, uh, agreed that uh, when they had this big meeting around how do we improve transition uh, supports, that there actually wasn't enough representation of young people. There was some really phenomenal alumni from CARE, um, but that they really needed current youth voices to drive the project. Hmm. And what attracted each of you to become part of the Suriyak? Um, I think that, uh, especially with the, the original, like the OG group, um, <laughs> uh, at least for myself, there was a former youth worker um, who worked with one of the nonprofits in the area. And uh, I remember that she called me one day and she was like, hey, um, don't worry about the details. Just go to this meeting. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, and I was well past aging out at this point. So I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do um whatever, um, one of those uh, youth to youth worker relationships where I was like, yep, sure, you need me to do something, let's go do it. Um, so that was really the main kind of stake for me. Uh, Johanna, what about you? How did you get involved? Um, well, I was actually at one of the youth um, resource centers with my youth worker. I was actually a couple months away from aging out of care. So my youth worker was kind of like, oh, you should go. Like, it's a great opportunity for you to meet people. And you get, like, gift cards and, like, there's food. And you can meet other people. Um, and so I thought it was a pretty good idea to at least try that. Um, and at first I was kind of hesitant about it because I'm very, very um, kind of keep to myself kind of person. I don't really, like, reach out to other people. I usually like to live on my own, live independently. Um, so kind of stepping out of my box and being with this group really changed um, a lot of my lifestyle. So I kept going because I enjoyed so much of the work that we're doing and a lot of the people, too, that, have, that are in the group, um, they become one of my most closest people in my life. And there are people I can rely on, and that's why I continue to keep going to movie um, meetings, not movies. <laughs> um, and yeah. yeah. China, do you want to talk about why you got involved? Yeah, uh, I got involved, well, at the youth retreat that happened sometime around October 2017. And my social worker had told me it would be really good for me to go. And when I heard about Yak, I got involved because I felt like I had a voice and I wanted to hopefully bring some professional qualities to the team, as well as be involved in influencing the change and being a part of it. And Edward is our um, most recent 
uh, wonderful person to join the Yak. Um, do you want to talk about what it is and why you got involved? Uh, I got involved in the Yak uh, in April of this year. Uh, actually, you, Cody, introduced me to the Yak. Um, and it's I'm going to these Yak meetings mostly because I have a passion for facilitating change in the community uh, as a youth in care. There's nothing. There's nothing else I want more than to uh, spark a uh, spark a slight uh, change in Surrey. Um, the the Yak is a uh, paid volunteer group consisting of about eight youth who have lived uh, who have lived experience and care in connection to Surrey. The Yak is facilitated by a former youth in care who has supported the Yak in hosting a retreat to find out what the top priority priorities for youth in and from care in Surrey are and how they would like us to implement them. And what would you say at the moment are the top priorities for youth in care in Surrey or youth aging out of care in Surrey? Yeah, for that, we when we had the retreat, <clears throat> um, we had a little um, workshop where everybody kind of got together. We kind of mapped out uh, the current programs and services that we do know um, uh, that we do know in Surrey. Um, so the whole purpose, sorry, purpose was to come up with the five priorities, um, and we spent the whole day kind of just coming up with different, um, you know, needs, basic needs that we need when we're transitioning out of care. Um, and so we came up with five. Um, so the first, uh, first one we did was um, affordable housing, healthcare coverage up to the age of 25, more startup money, a detox center for 19 to 27 and access to low cost or free sanitary toiletries and cleaning supplies. Um, and during the time when we were thinking about our five priorities, we were also thinking about um, the youth who um, weren't with us at the retreat and to those who, you know, I... I think um, what Johanna's trying to say is that there are some young people who wouldn't be able to come out for a full weekend. Um, and uh, exist in the space that, uh, you know, there's a lot of work going on, there's so many people in a crowd um, that they would be disconnected from their uh, family, whether chosen or biological, uh, for the weekend. Um, so the young people that were um, living on the streets or on active substance use wouldn't necessarily be able to come out and do a conference-style retreat. Um, and so when there was about 18 young people who actually came out to the retreat, we were trying to... Um, reinforce that uh, to keep the ideas that were being brought forward for the working groups uh, and for the priorities <laughs> to include folks who weren't able to be with us um, but that we were all connected to as part of the community. Hmm. I, I missed one of them when you're going through them. I got affordable housing, health care, then I think I missed the third. I got detox and then I got low-cost free uh, sanitary supplies. What was the one that I missed there? I was uh, more startup money startup money yes and um, really story that goes with that actually oh with the um so there we had uh in the group we had all these young people we had professionals we had the staff and we had this um previous city councillor uh for surrey um and she was kind of like the spearhead for most of the projects that were going on at that time and uh youth and care in surrey are receiving 500 dollars when they age out at 19 um, and basically, uh, if they're not receiving uh, the agreement with young adults, uh, which I know Edward wants to talk about a little bit later, um, the the startup money that they actually get is five hundred dollars. 
and so when we were having that conversation, a previous, um, our facilitator, actually a previous person from CARE said, well, like, and, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, um, it was 750. So with the increase of everything uh, that cost, why did it decrease? And uh, uh, the, uh, the old city councillor, she stood up and she was like, I want you guys to dream so big. And so somebody said, how about like 700 or maybe 1,000? And she was like, 3,000. <laughs> and so the crowd was like, no, too much, too much. Um, and so the number settled on 1,500 that would, um, when we put it into perspective, uh, especially as, as an adult now and as a professional, I mean, my couch cost basically 1,500. Um, so we were, we're talking about, um, allowing young people to have more dignity than having, you know, hand-me-downs or, um, things that they have to pick up from Value Village. Um, and we're yeah. not just only talking about a couch, we're talking about, you know, furnishing, um, you know, a whole place, um, you know, $500 isn't, you know, going to do the justice of, you know, getting, you know, all your pots and pans, you know. And that's also, you know, your groceries on top of that as well, as I recall when I aged out. Um, but no, yeah, it's just one of those things that 1500 would just be like a good amount. And at the same time, we're not asking for a whole lot of money. We're just asking for that minimum to be able to get our basic needs. And that's pretty much all we're really asking for. Um, and I just thought that more startup money, like $1,500 would be a pretty good benefit to those kids who are in the process or who are already out, like aged out of care. Yes, absolutely. I mean, setting up a, a, a new place um, when you have little to no things, um, it's 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 expensive. Absolutely, um, three thousand is a lot of money, but at three thousand, you could probably <laughs> still have things that you weren't able to get if you had three thousand dollars startup money. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, why should people not have uh, the right to nice furnishings just because you know, one lived in care? Um, mm -hmm. A nice couch is nice to come home to. Um, yeah. Or a couch at all. <laughs> What's that? Or a couch at all. <laughs> or a couch at all. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I remember one of the first pots that I ever bought. I had no idea about this idea of stainless steel. So I bought this wok and, you know, I course you know left it in my sink and it was completely rusted out because it was a you know it was a cheap walk because that's all I could afford to buy and I was like all right well now it's gone it's garbage I used it once like you know um so yeah buying buying quality stuff absolutely what's what's happened with with these um top priorities that you that you came up with as a group yeah, those priorities actually created the framework and foundation for our working group project. Um, so the project is called Connecting Community to Surrey Youth Leaving Care. Um, and so there is uh, a working group attached to each of those priorities. Uh, and how it was formed was we brought uh, the young people that uh, sit on the YAC as well as professionals from around the community. Um, and it didn't just include the typical nonprofit social work, and that's essentially it, but it was bringing in the university institutions and bringing in the private business partners and philanthropists and essentially the community that would surround us. Um, and then create these working groups um, with people who felt connected to them and who also had the resources to do something with them. Um, so that was just about a year ago. 
so the five uh, working groups that were created were the Preventing Poverty, uh, which works or which looks at the affordable housing. Um, we've got the um, health uh, working group um, that was called Healthcare Selfcare. Um, that also took on um, the sanitary products. The um, education and employment working group took on um, the connections uh, that were wanted as one of kind of the sub priorities. Um, and I'm just gonna do a quick look and just see. Um, yeah, sorry. The there was a mentorship project that was born out of that education and employment group called Plenty of Threads. Uh, and they're actually in the preliminary stages right now of connecting young people who have aged out of community, um, or sorry, aged into community uh, with professionals in the fields that they're interested in. So that would mean that if a young person is interested in um, being a dentist, that there would be a dentist who they could call or email and set up a one-hour coffee meeting with uh, to learn about their education and employment journey as a way of kind of kickstarting some of that idea. Um, and then there was also uh, an addictions working group uh, that looked at uh, the detox center uh, and put some work towards that. Uh, and then there was also the adulting um, working group that looked at increasing startup funds. Nice. Um. You guys are active. You're busy. You're doing stuff. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. This uh, the Yak meets pretty regularly, uh, either every two weeks or every month. Um, and then the working groups, most of them meet monthly, if not every two weeks. Wow. So I want to add that other mentorship program that we're doing. <clears throat> it's um, this mentorship program is for you know youth. Um, could have um, if they need to go grocery shopping or if they need help with like certain adulty basic needs they can reach out to a trusty adult to kind of help them out um, if they have any questions they could be like oh hey like something's wrong with my plumbing I don't know what to do and then they can just kind of help you out before you even have to call a plumber or anything like that um, so that's another mentorship program that we're having um, that we're sorry that we're currently working on right now as well yeah, the idea for that one is a needs-based one-on-one communication kind of support network. Uh, and so it would be for, um, for folks that are living with, and I'm going to quote kind of like a family privilege, um, that they can call, you know, their uncles and aunts and things when there are needs they have no idea how to do. Um, or maybe their, you know, parents, um, whatever that might look like, and say, uh, hey, I've moved out two years ago, but now my pipes are broken and I have no idea what, what to do. Do I have to call a plumber right now? Uh, the idea is to have young people who have aged into community to be able to have a dedicated kind of community volunteer for those one-offs. Um, and so it's a very brand new project with absolutely no precedent whatsoever. And so really, we're just going and swinging and seeing how it works. It's excellent. I, I um uh, the, the idea of mentorship, I, you know, it's been around for, for many, many years. I was just hearing somebody last week talk about sort of the, the limits and the, the, the challenges with mentorship, particularly for, for youth aging out of care. And, and this idea of choosing one's mentor as opposed to having one's mentor foisted upon uh, another. And many of us have mentors in the field that we, you know, that we sought out or that we, that we respected. And so having mentors, I think, somewhat linked to here's interests and you meet with them for coffee and if a relationship forms awesome and if it doesn't 
um, then, you know, then there's, there's other opportunities and yeah. Who do we call when, you know, um, when the light light's not working anymore and we don't know, do we change it? Is it broken? Is the, I need a new, like what's going on? Right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I sometimes bring in, in different classes that I teach. I sometimes bring, uh, people in and, and talk to talk to students um, who are beginning their careers and um, one of the questions that always comes up students always ask uh, is you know what what should I know about a new being a new child and youth care practitioner being a new uh, someone who's just beginning in this field about working with with young people and I wondered if if any of you had any wisdom about what you might you might share for that question? Absolutely, yeah. I think that, um, uh, and thank you for submitting that question to us before. I think that each of us kind of came up with something um, that we felt connected to in that way. So for me, uh, it was that regardless of the positions that uh, child and youth care workers hold in BC, it might be a social worker, it might be a youth worker, it might be um, a roots worker, or somebody who's connecting with families. Um, that the core values are always going to be important. Um, so that's, uh, you know, pluralistic and holistic and always having that social justice lens and being able to really work relationally and strength-based. Um, all of those things have to follow us regardless of where we go, regardless of the mandate that we have on top of us. Uh, and that the values, despite our policies, um, are what actually drives our work. Mm, nice. Thanks, Cody. Nice. Um, one thing that I do talk about a lot of the times when it comes to um, those of that kind of topic would be relationships. Um, <clears throat> uh, connections and relationships are super important. Um, with youth, they need long-term relationships. And, you know, the youth workers, you know, it's just not, you know, it is your job, but it's just about, sorry, I'm like kind of mumbling. <laughs> um, <laughs> His job is just about uh, not about connecting with us, but also building that relationship with us as well, um, being super genuine. Um, I feel like from what I hear from a lot of the youth is, you know, when they have their youth worker or social worker, like once, you know, they're done transitioning from care, they don't hear from them anymore. And it's kind of like they just had that one person, like that background person for a while. But um, when I think about it, I would, think that it'd be super important like at post transitioning you know the youth worker could always reach out or social worker reach out to those youth and be like hey like you know how are you doing like you know what have you been up to lately um just you know again building that genuine connection relationship with youth as well um because for the most part um your social workers youth workers when you're transitioning they're pretty much there for probably a really important step of their life um and i feel like um Building that connection with them is super, super important when it comes to transitioning out of care. Nice. Thanks, Johanna. I, th I think it's important to approach with a softer, kinder approach because a lot of kids are scared going into their first home or meeting a worker for the first time. And just being thoughtful and showing that you're thinking of them a lot and being open to providing lots of choices. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, China. And what do you think? Um, specifically for uh, like again back to the um, being thoughtful a youth in care needs to know that they're that their like social worker isn't just there to like collect a paycheck like you want to feel like they're there to actually support you and I feel like if a social worker or a youth worker actually 
shows openness and kindness and support, then the youth will, uh, will uh, show that same kindness and respect back and have it be mutual. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, all of your, your points are, are excellent points. You know, I think that there's a real challenge for some people who, um, I'll say, who've been working in the field for a while. You know, many of us were trained and, or as educators, trained people to, you know, when the, when the time, your professional time ends, that the relationship needs to end, and that's about clear boundaries, and it's about, you know, not false hope and, and all this stuff. And I think there's been increasing critiques of that over the past uh, decade plus, and um, people are less and less uh, comfortable doing that. And I, I've, I've met very, very, very few students who come into the program first semester who say, oh, yeah, that's great. Yep, I'm just going to end my relationship and never speak to them again. That's fine, and that's really healthy because, of course, we all know that that's counterintuitive. <laughs> that's like, how do we spend all this time building relationship and then say, okay, now you can't talk to me, you can't email me, you can't call me, you can't message me, you can't Facebook me. We, we can't talk for, you know, two to five years from now on, right? Absolutely. In my position, uh, I work with Options Community Services, which is a nonprofit in Surrey. Uh, and my role is super wonderful. I get to work with folks up to the age of 19. But then uh, we have uh, a, a formal process that we are able to actually follow folks um, three months after they age in the community. So when the social worker has to have their final meeting at 19 and um, all the connections kind of start falling off. We're able to, um, we actually have it in our policy to follow them for an additional three months um, to support in that transition. Uh, and my actual role is as a, uh, a youth transition worker. Um, and so from 18 to 19, it's usually working on um, that tr uh, transition into post-secondary and um, into independence and all those things. But it's also about um, how do we take the skills that you've learned in this relationship um, and in um, you know, creating and maintaining that really wonderful relationship into all of the other relationships that you're going to have in your life. Absolutely. Also, super positive example, too. I remember when um, I was aging out of care, my youth worker, she was absolutely amazing. And I still talk to her to this day. Um, we talk here and now and then and catch up on things. And sometimes we'll go have coffee and just kind of talk. Um, and that's one of the things why love talking about how relationships are super important because I got such a positive experience when I was transitioning out of care um, because my youth worker was very genuine and honest and we talked about very honest genuine things like things we're interested in and um, I didn't feel like you know I was just like another client or another kid I felt like you know like she really cared about me and um, genuinely wanted the best for me and that's why I think relationships are super important because of that positive example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, we're moving towards the end of our conversation. There's something I, I want to, you know, ask you, which I didn't, I didn't really warn you I was going to ask you, but <laughs> I didn't say this question in advance. But I just want to know if any of you have any thoughts. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, youth advisory councils have been around for a, a while, and there's been a lot of talk and thinking about them, and there's some, you know, mixed. Um, ideas about them. And, and I'm wondering if any of you have any particular thoughts regarding the, you know, we've, we've talked a bunch about the amazing stuff that you're doing um, and sort of what's going 
forward from that, um, which I see as, as benefits. I wonder if any of you have any other thoughts about benefits or challenges or, or limitations of youth advisory committees. Yeah, I think um, uh, the only thing that I would say as our, as our limitation to this specific question is um, having only the kind of knowledge of this uh, youth advisory council without kind of being connected to the other ones very much. Mm. Um, for myself, uh, I think there's kind of three key points uh, for youth advisory committees or councils. Um, the first one would be buy-in from the community. And so it might be that the, you know, the youth worker is calling their previous young people that they believe in and saying, hey, I think you would be really great for this project. Um, and that really takes uh, practitioners in the community staying up to date with what's actually going on in the community um, and believing that young people's voices can actually make change. Um, the second piece I would say to that is around funding. Uh, our project was super blessed to be able to, it's a uh, between a two and a three year project um, by the end of this. And um, the limitation with that is that once you've kind of, you know, got the work started in the first year, the second year is making something happen. Um, and then the second to third year is really where um, results come in, where you can do all that reporting, where you can um, uh, kind of do that it was set out to do rather than just investigate work and that there needs to be something following after it. Um, so it might not necessarily be a continuation of the YAC, but it might be um, somebody actually taking on one of the projects that comes forth of it. Uh, and the final one that I would say for that one is that YACs really need a really strong facilitator. Um, and what we've learned through our project is that facilitators also need um, a support person as well. And so we are super blessed to have uh, a project manager who's just recently joined us on this year, um, who is attending every meeting, who is really being the the kind of torch to our flame and supporting us in all of those pieces, um, as well as our facilitator, who is an alumni from CARE, um, who comes in with a, a great wealth of consultant work um, and is able to really drive the projects towards um, what the people, or sorry, what the young people um, and the people who have aged out of care um, want out of the project. Um, they're both incredible humans and are uh, super great at keeping everyone connected in a really low barrier way. Um, there might be folks who don't attend for four or five or six meetings, but that are still just as much part of the yak uh, as any of the people who are attending every day. Nice. Nice. So as we end our conversation, is there anything that, that any of you... Um, China, Edward, Johanna, or, or Cody would like to add that that I, we didn't talk about today. No pressure, no, but if you do, <laughs> just want to say uh, thank you for having us. Uh, this was an amazing opportunity. Um, I know I've been wanting to do this for quite a while. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, I yeah. The questions you sent over were very, very good. Um, got us thinking a lot, um, and I um, just one more thing about Please. Um, what I want to send off to uh, people who are studying in the field or who are just to start out um, in the field as well. Um, I know I can't really say my path because I haven't studied it yet, um, but I know the field can be very um, hectic at times, especially dealing with. Uh, use certain use sometimes I know I can say for myself I when I came into care I wasn't as you can say I wasn't the happiest person ever um, and I know 
um, that can happen sometimes. And I feel like, um, um, sorry, I'm trying to word this the best I can. Um, I just kind of want to say, you know, for everyone out there, just kind of remind yourself, like, you know, why you got into this work and why you're working in the field. Um, I know for myself it's because, you know, I want to help out other youth and feel like having patience and then also, you know, coming in with a very humble mind, very optimistic mind as well, can go a long way as well when working with youth. Um, <clears throat> it just makes the youth feel more comfortable and feel like they can kind of rely on youth workers and, you know, have that one person they can kind of be like, hey, I'm having a really bad day and I just want to share this with you. Um, just being, always being optimistic and being patience, patient with us youth as well can also go a long way. And I feel like that's something I want to kind of get out there um, to you know, people who are going to go into the field or who are just currently studying, I just feel like that's super important to kind of remind themselves that, you know, yeah. China, do you have any piece to say on um, anything else you want to say? Yeah, <clears throat> I'd like to bring up the sacred story approach with everyone um, where everyone has their own story and you can always approach anybody's story with respect and each of us here even has our own story and it's an awesome story yes yes well said and i really like the framing of the, the sacredness of, of everyone's story yeah one thing that i'll finish with um and i really appreciate that um uh you do a lot wolfgang is that uh the use of language and the weight behind it uh and specifically in, in the social justice lens of breaking down stigma um and using words to empower people um even in, in our community, um, uh, I joined some others in changing some of my language from youth to young person, um, really being able to use um, person-centered language um, and also respect that when we're saying young person um, or uh, in my practice, it's um, participant in the program rather than client, uh, that we are engaging with young people and expecting them to act like fully functioning adults. And so we really need to match our words and our expectation together um, because it's not fair for the people that we serve for us to um, identify them as youth and expect them to plan their post-secondary, pay their rent, um, make it to school every day, uh, have all of their doctors and dentist appointment managed uh, and, you know, still get nine hours of sleep every night. Um, so it's, it's really important for us to respect that these young people are putting in um, far more work um, than a lot of their peers um, or that are facing obstacles that uh, even we wouldn't be able to kind of uh, overcome as adults. So um, really understanding and respecting the, the weight behind the language that we use. Absolutely, absolutely. I've, I've sometimes fantasized about writing a column for CYC online just about <laughs> the language that we use in the yeah. field, but I, <laughs> I don't quite have the energy to, to embark on that quite yet. Um, right. Edward, before we wrap up, anything else that you want to add? No pressure if you have nothing else to say, but just in case you do. Yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate uh, you inviting us on here. Um, yeah, uh, I'd just like to remind everyone that uh, family privilege is a thing. Uh, when you live with your parents, they don't say you only have two more chances and then you'll have to move in with new parents. It's not a reality of families. Think of your own family privilege as you can carry. You have to remember that the fam your family may not be your biological family, but rather the people who you are with every day. 
to people. It could be, you know, your teachers, your best friend, your best friend's parents, you know, people who you take the bus with you talk to every day. So it's a reminder that everyone's family is different. Um, and it does, it's not just their biological family. And I think that's something we need to always think about. I call it my chosen family. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Thank you so much, Edward, China, Johanna, and Cody. I really, uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the of the conversation today, and, and that we made it happen. Um, it took a while to make this happen, but I'm I'm so grateful that all of us managed to hang in and uh, and make it a reality. And uh, I look forward to our our next conversation somewhere out there in CYC land. Thank you. Thanks, Wolfgang. Thanks, Wolfgang. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.